Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. Helping you take your next step with Jesus. That's what we're all about here, Allie. Do you, have you ever counted your steps? Have you ever worn a, some sort of a tracker? It's funny that you say, oh, steps. I thought you were meaning steps with Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Do you still have your step tracker? Oh, I do. And uh, my daughter wears one too, so she's always uh, trying to compete with me. That's which great. It's never even a competition. Just, Mom, how, how are your steps doing? Oh, I'm somewhere around uh, 3,400. I have 11,000. <laughs> it's always way more. So well, mom doesn't take nearly as many steps in a day as my active 13-year-old. All we need you to take today is one giant step. Just one. And we've got some content that will help you do that. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Amy, ask Amy in the Chicago Tribune. Her little column is published uh, every day. She gives advice. Sometimes I agree. Sometimes I disagree. But I always respect where she's coming from. So here was the one that was published a couple days ago. Should an atheist offer their thoughts and prayers? So the person who wrote in asked, do I continue to offer thoughts and prayers since that seems like what people want when they're going through a hard time? But to me, it's an empty phrase. So here's what Amy said. She said, my point of view is that the thoughts and prayers phrase has been overused, misused, and sarcastically used so often that it has become a meme and therefore free of any specific meaning. And then she goes on to say, you seem to understand that prayers are more valuable to the recipient than your personal thoughts or healing hope. And then she concludes with this. If someone specifically asks you to pray for them, you might be able to do so using the broader definition of the word, which is an earnest wish. Hmm. She tried to, I think, strike a middle ground. I have read enough of her writing that I don't know where she stands personally, because I would never speculate on somebody's what's in someone's heart. Sure. I, I don't get the impression that she writes from a point of view of a Christ follower. I wouldn't say I've so not either. gotten that impression. But interesting that she said this. You seem to understand that prayers are more valuable to the recipient than your personal thoughts or healing hopes. That's what it is. There's a reason why this person who wrote the question, they realize that things like really flowery words, like my heart goes out to you, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of you, I'm sending good thoughts your way. There are lots of flowery ways that people do try to express concern if they are not not a believing person and don't even want to pretend that they're going to pray, they fall flat. Yeah. It's true. It, it, it does. I had a situation like that, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a complication with our apartment and had to make a last minute move. And I called my neighbor to let him know because I wasn't going to see him anymore. And he said, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And I said, yeah, you know, God's been faithful. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm sending good vibes your way. Okay. And and I knew what he was trying yeah. to do and I appreciated it. Yeah. But I was like, it doesn't have a lot of substance to it. Mm-hmm. And so what this the questioner is wrestling with without even what they're not saying, but you can tell that there's a wrestling, is that they realize that even their best attempt to offer up some sort of comfort, even though they are sincere in their intention, the recipient recognizes there's no power in that. Yeah. It's right. nice of you to say, but... But what I want is prayer, because even if I'm not quite sure that it'll do anything, I at least have a hope. 
Yeah. There I at is. least have a hope that maybe a prayer offered by someone mm-hmm. will actually appeal to a God who can do something and change my situation. I th- I would say, have you been in a situation sort of opposite where you have an unbelieving friend or associate? They know you are a Christian. Oh, yeah. So they've asked you to they've pray. Because I know if you pray, mm-hmm. it's going to work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Like, what? So this is <laughs> this know? is a fascinating yeah. thing. And you see this play out a lot because a lot of times where I see it is on like Facebook. Yeah. Someone yes. will say, I have such and such situation. Uh, can you pray? Mm-hmm. And you will see a lot of people who will put like the praying hands emoji yes. or they'll, they'll yeah. say they'll pray. Mm-hmm. And then you have some people who do carefully word a response that expresses comfort and assurance that they're thinking and that they're concerned, but they stop short of prayer. Yes. I think because they want to, with integrity, not say that they're going to do something that they know that they will not. Yeah. Lots of feedback from you. Okay, let me get to this other one. When people are grieving, they want to hear sincere words from others. If you can't say you are praying, say you're thinking about them. Okay, interesting feedback. 1810 suggested this as a possible alternative. My heart is saddened by your situation. May your faith carry you through. Okay. Okay. 6591, offer people what's in your heart. Okay. So here's the thing, though, and I, I think it goes back to the fact that we recognize that our own thoughts and feelings and good intentions ultimately mm-hmm. don't hold any power to change anything. Absolutely. I think that a part of it has to do with the fact that prayer is an action, mm-hmm. an action of care. Saying that you're thinking about somebody or that you're on my heart, it's like, okay, but that doesn't that doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so I do not condemn this person for asking the question because I think that they are seeking in their own way to be a person of integrity and to not commit to doing something that they know they won't. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's fair. I would respond to this by asking some questions about what they would. (laughs) Why do you think prayer is the thing that people want? Sure. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that when you've attempted to offer words of comfort, those haven't been as meaningful as, as an offer of prayer? Mm -hmm. I would, I would probe a little bit deeper and I would not give a hard, fast answer, but I would ask some questions to see where they're at. Mm -hmm. Lots of feedback on this one. And I think it's a good one to, to wrestle with. Uh, 7055. I dislike the praying hands on Facebook. (laughs) Okay. Fair. But I think what we can agree on here is that the biggest motivation that compels people to pray is often a screaming need, mm-hmm. whether yes. someone believes or maybe even isn't sure what they believe. People are quick to ask for prayer yeah. and maybe even to pray themselves when they're up against a desperate situation yes. that they that they cannot do anything about. They need hope. They need hope. They need help. But that's only one reason to pray. And if you limit your prayers to just a moment of crisis, a moment of screaming need, you would be missing out and you would be taking prayer far. You'd be falling far short of what is possible through prayer. So coming up, you got one, the screaming need. That's a good reason to pray. pray. But I'm going to give you four more great reasons why you can pray today. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. I'm about to give you five good reasons why prayer matters. Five reasons to pray. I don't like to use the word should. Carl likes to avoid that word too because it kind of heaps this sense of duty and obligation that doesn't 
make for great motivation. But why pray to God? There are five reasons. We talked a little bit about the one that often is in the forefront, and that's there's a need. I need God to help me with something. Mm. The, the problem with that being, that's a good motivation. I'll start there. But the problem with that being the only motivation is that you can then only pray in a crisis. If you're, people talk about foxhole prayers. Yeah, absolutely. There's no atheist in a foxhole because there's obviously such a dire need to right. survive when you're in a foxhole. So what happens if if you only pray when you there's some pressing need that you're aware of, then that means when you are think you've got it or that things are okay, you're not motivated to pray. If you just think that prayer is reserved for those times when I'm up against something I can't handle, it will really limit your communication and your connection with God. So here are five reasons why to pray. One, it brings you closer to God. And I'm going to read the verse. All of these are a reason and a verse. So it brings you closer to God. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Number two, it gives you reason, wisdom from God. Reason number two, it gives you wisdom from God. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Why pray? Well, number three, it allows you to come clean with God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why pray? Reason number four, it affords you the peace of God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, yet let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And reason number five, why to pray? It enables you to make requests of God. This one we've talked a lot about. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of him. 1 John 5.15. Let me go through those again. We're going to put these up on social media as well as we did yesterday so you can study them for yourself. But why pray? Prayer brings you closer to God. Prayer gives you wisdom from God. Prayer allows you to come clean with God. Prayer affords you the peace of God. And prayer enables you to make requests of God. Five good reasons to pray. With just these five Every single day, you'll have a reason to pray. If you want to play the game, you're going to have to practice. It's time for Training Camp on Carl and Crew Mornings. Training today on prayer. Does this sound familiar? You Maybe you know you should pray. You certainly have some things you'd like the Lord to do in your life. You'd like to see some prayers answered. But why does it feel like prayer is so hard? Dr. Bill Thrasher, take your best shot. Why is it that even for believers, it feels like prayer is really a challenge? Well, Ellie, I think sometimes prayer, we boil it down to only a human activity. Mm. And that's what we get bogged down in the activity of prayer. But really, God wants to come to our assistance. You know, just as we're to walk by the Spirit, depend upon Him, He tells us to pray in the Spirit. 
There's five commands in relationship to the Holy Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, don't grieve the Spirit, don't quench the Spirit, but pray in the Spirit. And in my own life, when I saw that, even very involved in the activity of a, somewhat of a Bible prayer life, but over the years, praying for more and more things, getting bogged down in that, I realized I had lost expectancy. Mm. And so most of the time, what you hear about prayer is two things. Prayer is very, very, very important. Secondly, you need to discipline yourself to do it. I had bought into those two things and my prayer life died. Uh, so those two things are absolutely essential. And if you don't buy into those two things, everything else will be theoretical. Mm. But there's more to it. Our founder, D.L. Moody, said, I'd rather teach one person to pray than 10 people to preach. And most of his contemporaries thought he was the greatest preacher of his day. So he believed in preaching. But also, there's a teaching to prayer. So our precious listeners can come to God, just like the Lord's disciples say, Lord, teach me to pray. When they prayed that, Jesus spoke. And he will do that. He will honor that in our hearts. Even if some things we have to unlearn about prayer, he wants to set us free. Dr. Bill Thrasher, our guest this morning, he oversees the master's program in spiritual formation and discipleship here at Moody Bible Institute. He's got a book just released last month, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Dr. Thrasher, you you alluded to some of your own struggles early on. Yes. Uh, give us a little bit of your story. You said you were active spiritually. You were a believer, but your prayer life died. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yes. And so certainly when we talk about how to resurrect the dead prayer life, we aren't talking down at anybody. I'm saying in our own, in my own experience, you know, it's it's like when you're around the Christian church, people say, pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. I, I tried to pray for it. And and there was one morning as I was praying, uh, my, my thoughts were this, Lord, I think the greatest gift you can give me is just to take this thing that I've so bought into, take this thing called prayer, just take this burden off my back. Now, that put me on a journey. As I mentioned just a second ago, those five commands in relation to the Holy Spirit. Well, the one I knew the least about was praying in the Spirit. So I said, Lord, you know, I want you to teach me to pray. You know, God, he has special promises to the needy. It says he sets the needy securely on high away from affliction. It's uh, the, the psalmist says to Lord, save the children of the needy. I always thought my children qualified. He says that it does not lie within us to direct our paths. I need a shepherd. So God's opposed to the proud, gives grace to the humble. If you want to admit, be wise, you got to admit you're humble. So come to God as needy, even though this is very unflattering. I'll say it about myself. Lord, in and of myself, I don't care about anybody but me. Uh, what's in it for me is just that's the way the flesh runs deep in our life. I can't produce Christ-like fervency. I can't produce Christ-like compassion. So I need to depend upon the Spirit of God to produce that, and He will. So if you come to God as a person in need, um, God honors that. God gives grace to the, to the humble. Let's talk about the kind of the diagnosis. How would one know if your prayer life has died? Is, is a dead prayer life... Uh, prayers that are never uttered. So is a dead prayer life, meaning I just don't pray at all? Or could you be praying sometimes and still it be lifeless? I think it could be both of those. It's certainly an idea. You know, you're not really eager to talk to somebody if you don't really think they really care about you and uh, they can do anything about it. <laughs> and so really it's your view of God. That's the greatest spiritual battle in a person's life, just as the devil tried to distort even. Eve's view of God, you know, that's what he works on us every day. We'd never sin unless we thought something good would come out of it. I know we would all say, say, sin's not good, but somehow we're deceived at that point. So certainly 
that could be an aspect to sort of give up despair. He throws those fiery darts of despair at all, every one of us. But also he can be involved, sometimes involved in the activity as if, if I rub the rabbit's foot long enough, you know, you know that that's what makes it happen. In other words, we're really praying, but we're not we're not really having any expectancy. And mm-hmm. if you pray and you're not expecting anything to happen, sooner or later you have to ask yourself the question, why pray? Yeah, I mean that's what we're wrestling with all week long as we look at these different spiritual disciplines. Sometimes we do lose the why, and prayer becomes about the activity, about kind of completing the thing that I know I should do. And as you just mentioned, that gets dry really quickly, right? That's exactly right. You know, need, need, all these disciplines need to be rooted in the in the wonderful grace of God. And that's not just a tag thing we say. It means that whatever a person knows that God loves me and accepts me and delights me in, in me as his child. It means that he shed his blood, that I can be victorious over whatever battle I'm facing. It means I'm not in this by myself. It means that what? God wants to what? Motivate, empower me for anything he calls me to do. And also the grace is what? He also offers cleansing when I when I make wrong choices and restores me to him. The righteous man falls seven times but rises again. So I want people to plug these disciplines into grace, into the, the flame of grace. You know, it's I used to think, you know, well, God, one day God's going to be really excited about me. I'm going to have my act together. Well, that day has <laughs> never come. But, you know, God, God is... It's just like the fa- a father or a mother, their little child, they're learning to walk and you take one step and they fall down. Well, they don't chew them out for not running a marathon. You know, we're, they're, God, your Father, is delighted in your progress. So you say, Lord, help me continually make baby steps of progress. And Lord, you teach me to pray. God's excited about that. He's excited about the process. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows your struggle. He wants to teach you to pray. The prayers of the righteous are a delight to the Lord. I say, God, bring delight to your heart. Do something in my life that brings glory to you. God works through prayer. When God wants to do something, he puts a prayer burden on somebody's heart. Uh, that person prays, and that sets the work of God in motion. It always ministers to me when I come to Moody Bible Institute. One day, D.L. Moody knelt down to the ground before there was a Moody Bible Institute, said, God, give me this land for my school. That's a very concrete answer I can see day by day. Well, God, uh, I think of the, the ministry that touched my heart in college. There was one day, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew, when Dr. Bright, before he was Dr. Bright, he was studying uh, in seminary for a Hebrew exam. And God mm-hmm. laid on his heart this ministry that reached college students all around the world. He went to his professor and said, told him about that vision, He's, and the professor said, I'll tell you what you can call it, call it Campus Crusade for Christ. He said there wasn't necessarily anything greatly spiritual about studying that Hebrew exam, but God spoke to him. I mean, that's a glorious thing. We have believers all over this city listening or whatever. What is God prompting you to believe in for today? And that's a thrilling thing. That's what we need God to wonderfully intervene in our city, in our churches, and revive it. And uh, with the incredible wickedness, there's still, what, great opportunity for the gospel. And we praise the Lord for for this program or whatever that does stimulate people and people depend on it. They, they listen to it. I know it as they talk to them. So thank you for your ministry. Oh, that's but we so do want to encourage people to yeah. believe God. What are you believing God for today? We're talking to Dr. Bill Thrasher. He's got a new book, How to Resurrect a, De- a Dead Prayer Life. Uh, coming up, what do you do practically if you've lost the joy or maybe you've seen uh, prayers you've been praying for years and you haven't seen answered and you're a little discouraged? More with our special guests coming up. 
helping you take the next step in your walk with Jesus. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, if we're honest, sometimes if we've been praying for something specifically for a while and haven't seen God move yet, it can get discouraging. Dr. Bill Thrasher, our guest right now. What do you say to the person who goes, I've been praying for a while and I've seen nothing. So why bother? Well, you know, I think probably the aspect of prayer we knew the least about is is we commit a burden to him. Lord, would you show me how to trust you for this? Yeah. The idea also, the idea that, that uh, you know, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We know he hears us. We know we ask questions we've asked from him. So, so, Lord, would you show me how to trust you? I give you this burden. Would you show me how to do it? If it's of God, we can count upon God to give us the grace, uh, meaning the motivation and power to believe God for that, to persevere in regard to that. Not everything is instant. You know, sometimes there are reasons, you know. Now, it could be that I'm asking wrongly. Um, it may not be that at all. Sometimes God wants to give us, uh, let's say we're praying a desire, and uh, it's a real desire, just like Paul was praying a desire to remove the thorn in the flesh. Sometimes God doesn't give us that in order to give us something underneath that that we're not even even conscious of. When Paul prayed for the removal of the thorn in the flesh, if you ask him what his deeper desire was, he says, I want to know your, my God's grace and God's power in the greatest possible way. I want to be the most useful Christian I can be. So God did not give him that in order to give him what? Something better. So we need to be alert that sometimes the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness that we don't know how to pray as we ought. Yeah. Now, I certainly can be praying amiss. In other words, God, uh, when I come to God in praying, I always need to be aware, God, is there any adjustment I need to make in my life? Is there any way you want me to cooperate in regard to the answer? So it's our life that prays, not just our words. Ooh, I like so that. our lives. So if we pray, it's I remember being in a prayer meeting. We prayed all over the world and the leader at the end said, let's all get on our knees and say we're going to do anything God will want us to do to be an answer to these prayers. So that puts integrity into our prayer. So I'm not minimizing in a sense. But those fiery darts of discouragement are, are great. And sometimes we do wonder. Sometimes we need other people praying with us pooling our faith as though as we laid this before God. And, you know, if it's laid before God, God, you do any, it's up to you. You care more about it than I do. And you show me anything you want me to do about it. God honors that. Obviously, we also need his word to stimulate our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Elmo said he used to pray as if faith was going to come down and strike me like lightning. But I said, then begin to read this verse. I've been praying for faith with a closed Bible. Now I'm praying for faith with an open Bible. And so, the idea, certainly we need the help of God's people. We need the help of God's word. We need the help of God's spirit. And so God wants to meet us there. Uh, come to God in those honest moments saying, you know, God, boy, do you really, I know you care, but would you assure me of this? Give me just some encouragement that I need. Have other people praying with us. And we pray that what you mentioned is not just a theoretical thing. It's something that many of us are experiencing yeah. across the city. And so we pray that God would meet, meet each one today in regard to that. How can God use our worries, our anxieties, even our temptations as motivation for prayer? Prayer is, if we're praying, we're praying our hearts. My heart desire and my prayer, the Paul says. All my desires before you and my prayers are not hidden from you. Temptation is, a, is an appeal to meet the legitimate need in an unrighteous way. And so if we're, that's what makes a temptation the temptation. So uh, if I talk to God about the temptation, I'm talking to God from my heart. Take your temptations and turn them into conversations with God. That's walking in the light. You'll never get in trouble walking in the light. Mm. I find 
that principle, taking your temptations, turning them into conversations with God, and also the incredible thing that helps me every day of my life is to take those temptations, not only turn them into conversations with God, but to take those temptations, especially your persistent temptations. It's not a sin to be tempted. We're all tempted. Jesus was tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. And so take those temptations and ask God, God, in this persistent temptation, would you give me a prayer burden, a prayer request that every time I'm tempted, I'm going to use it as a trigger to pray this strategic prayer, a prayer even that would damage Satan's kingdom. And so you take that temptation and you use it to intercede for others. That helps me every day of my life, day and night. Yep. As long as we're in this body, we're going to be tempted, prone to wander. And, uh, but when you've assigned it beforehand, and maybe many of uh, your listeners are doing that already, I've had the privilege of sharing that with thousands of people. That helps me every day of my life. It's no more complicated than that. Write down your specific temptation. Say, God, give me a prayer burden, a prayer request that every time I'm tempted this way, I'm going to use it as a prompting to pray. That will what be life-changing. If it starts out with just being in a prayer partnership with somebody, when I'm tempted, I'll pray for you. When you're tempted, you'll pray for me. Hmm. Uh, that's a big help. Every time a mother or father were, were tempted to have an impure thought, they pray for the pure, their children. Every time you're tempted to be discouraged, you pray for the encouragement of your spiritual leaders. So there we're praying from our weakness. We're not praying down at people. Yes. You, I'm feeling with people in ways that I wouldn't think I could feel with them because God allows me to be weak. Oh, man. Uh, this is good stuff. Oh, wish we had more time. How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life uh, by Dr. Bill Thrasher. Thank you for being with us this morning. So much goodness. Always a pleasure, Allie. In Thank this you for little your book. Program. Thank very, you. Very Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Guys, I got to tell you, he wants some hope this morning. I, you know, sometimes the only way to get into this is just get into it. So I want you to know that I am well aware of the fact that there's some of you that are listening right now and you do not have a relationship with God that is transformative. You don't, right? I'm just going to cut it to you straight. And I know this because I was a lot like you. I, I listened to way back in the day. I remember being with my dad and listening to Christian radio and I went to church and I was doing all these things. But there was no spiritual life inside me. And I don't know when I was a kid growing up in church if I ever heard the, the, really, the best reasons why to give my life to Jesus. What reasons did you hear? Avoid hell. Mm -hmm. That was a big one. Yeah. Um, I think I heard, but maybe Satan blinded me to it, that Jesus wanted to give me abundant life. Okay. I think I definitely heard that, but the abundant life that I, that I imagine in my mind was a life that was going to steal all the fun stuff from me. Okay. So I thought, oh yeah, right. That's a bait and switch. You're selling me abundant life. But mm -hmm. really what you're saying is it's a constrictive life. I really thought that mm -hmm. I thought, eh, it's going to squeeze out this over here and won't really let me be me. Boy, was I mistaken. Yeah. I would say the avoid hell one was, was big for big. you. I feel like I didn't, I can't think of a single other why that I heard besides avoid hell. That was, Ooh. there were dramas. You remember heaven's gates, hell's flames. Yeah. And there's, there's, a, I'm avoiding I'm not, hell is a great motivation. That's a great motivation. Yeah. Um, but it, it, that was really the only why that I heard. And it, that one's true, but there are more in scripture. Yeah. And by the way, let me give you a little word on this thing called hell. Hell is, uh, in the word that's most often used in the New Testament, is Gehenna. And it was representative of what it was a picture of 
was a very real place. Gehenna was a garbage dump in the Valley of Hinnom. And it's where child sacrifices had been performed by Manasseh and Ammon. I mean, it was an awful, awful place. So garbage was sent there and children had been sacrificed there. And the scriptures are clear and Jesus was clear that to not have a relationship with Jesus means that your eternity is going to be in Gehenna or the Valley of Hinnom. It's not pretty, guys. And what does, what does this mean? It means that you've been given free will and choice. But does God ever appeal to our appetites when he's speaking to our soul? And the answer is, oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. God does. It's not this, gee, here's, here's Gehenna and here's heaven without descriptors of both. But this is what I love about the scriptures, Allie. I'm going to give you this, in, just, and I just want you to listen closely and we'll do a short description. Do you have the scriptures, the associated scriptures cooking here? Yeah, I've this, got a couple of them, okay. and I'll have all of them in a minute. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the statement, then Allie's going to read the scripture. And I'm going to do something really cool. I'm going to let the word of God convince you of your need to surrender to God for the first time in your life. Oh. Now, listen closely, because I guarantee you, you have never heard this before not like this guarantee it because i never had hmm. so we're going to walk through five whys for why you need to surrender to god let me walk you through them here we go first it separates you from false gods it separates you from false gods it's like it pulls you apart from this menagerie and the false gods leading you astray listen what we find here and that comes out of Joshua 24:15 which says if it is evil in your eyes to serve the lord choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the amorites in whose land you dwell but as for me and my house we will serve the lord to why in the road man he was laying it down Joshua was laying it down, saying, listen, I don't know where you're going to go here, but you got to decide. Now, when you surrender to God, what's it, what happens? You separate yourself from false and, quite frankly, empty gods. That's number one. It gets better. <laughs> and it really does. Number two, it saves you from eternal judgment. Now, this is huge. This is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, and listen to what he says. Acts 2.21, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, it saves you from judgment. The verse prior to this, in verse 20, it talks about this great day of judgment. Now, what an offer from God. Yeah. To surrender to God means that you're saved from eternal judgment. But there's more. Check this out. It gives you forgiveness for your sins. These sins that have been haunting you your whole life long are forgiven, past, present, and future. Listen to this. It's out of uh, Luke 3, verse 3. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. Oh, sorry, I want to stop there. Let me yeah. read verse 3 again. Yeah. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. How awesome is that? Baptism yeah. of repentance, surrender leads to forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I'm going to say to you. You've been shamed by your sin. You've been beat up by your sin. And our God loves you so much that through surrender to him, you will be forgiven of those sins. How awesome. Now, it gets better. 
Fourth one, it frees you from grief and regret. <laughs> Listen to this. This is 2 Corinthians 7, 9. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. What about that, guys? So is there a grief that doesn't set you free? Yeah. Yes. But it frees you from grief and regret when there is an honest surrender before God. And you might say, is there more? I've got at least one more here, and this is amazing. Number five, it seals you in Christ with the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Ephesians 1.13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. My goodness, guys. And that sealing with the Holy Spirit means that nothing can snatch you from the hand of God. So I'm just going to be this, this basic. There's no music playing. You're driving down the road. You're in your office. You're in your home. I don't know where you are right now, but God knows you, and I need you to listen to me. It's all the, all, it's it's kind of like all the lights of heaven are directed on your soul like a spotlight right now, and you feel it. So I'm going to ask you, are you ready to separate yourself from false gods of our world today and follow the one true and living God? Are you ready to be saved from eternal judgment? Are you ready to be given forgiveness of your sins? Aren't you ready for that? Aren't you ready to be freed from grief and regret? See, isn't this great? You feel hope welling up, don't you? And are you ready to be sealed in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit? And if you can say to those, yes, I am, Carl. I'm asking you for the first time in your life to fully surrender your life to God. Not surrender some Sunday mornings, not to surrender some of the money that you have, not to surrender. No, I'm asking you to surrender all that you are, all to Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give. Because today is the day. And I don't know how this works, because even Jesus himself said that the mystery of salvation is like the wind of the Holy Spirit. But if the wind is blowing through your car, through your office, through your home right now, I'm asking you, won't you come to Jesus right now? Won't you come to him, please? Won't you follow him? I'm going to pray a prayer of surrender. I'm asking you to join me. Jesus, today I surrender all. Tell him that. I believe Jesus died for me. I know he's alive. And I give you my life today. I surrender everything. Separate me from false gods. Save me from eternal judgment. Forgive my sins. Free me from grief and regret. And seal me in the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for these hearts that are humbly surrendering to you right now. Thank you that you're the one that works. Thank you that your spirit blows. And where it lands, we don't know, but it is a, it's the greatest miracle to take a heart of stone, soften it up, turn it into flesh, and then turn it around. I thank you for these, this one right here, I'm talking to you right now, who has surrendered their life to you today for the first time in their life. Thank you for them. Encourage them and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if that's you, 
welcome to the family. We've got something that we want to send you. Just text the word welcome. It's just a quick link that's give you some next steps. Text welcome to 312-274-9624. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Yeah. You know, when God works in our heart, it's, it's one of the most astounding things in the world. It's one of the most amazing things you can imagine. And I just am grateful that he's working in you today. If you have surrendered to God today for the first time, just text the word welcome to our number here. Just text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. 312-274-9624. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Carlin Crew Mornings. Guys, we're rolling here today. Um... Lord's doing something in my heart here, and I'm not sure exactly what. Um, so listen, by the way, we've been giving out a brand new resource here today. And, you know, we've got some that are just like classics that just keep going out. We've had 30, 40,000, probably some of them 50,000 downloads, if you can believe it. Uh, but there's one that we've got today that's brand new. All week long, we've been dealing with the why. Why? Why pray? Why read the word? Why fellowship? Why worship? Why surrender to God? Those are the five that we've been tackling. And it has been one of the best journeys for me as a pastor. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you why. I first went, let me tell you why. I, I first went online over last weekend going, all right, what's out there? I don't want to do this, frankly, if there's been some great work done on it. When you get into why read the word, for instance, mm -hmm. You get into how and, oh, apologetics on that the word of God is inspired and why the canon was built and all this kind of stuff. But I was shocked at how few resources there were. And there were a couple, but how few resources there were that gave a screaming why for why pray? Why read the word? Why worship? Why fellowship? And even today, why surrender to God? And really lit me up because if you're new listening around here, you need to know if you only do the what and the how, you can become a person that self-inflicts behavior modification all over yourself. The why is the only thing that connects the heart with the head, that connects the heart with the feet. Sure. That, the why is the only thing that does that. Hmm. And if you're parenting kids and you only lead them by the what and the what and the how, you're you're going to be saying things when they ask honest questions like, why do we have to go to church? And you're going to resort to because I said so. Yeah. Which, by the way, just ticks kids off. It just ticks them off. Sure. And guess what? They need a better answer than that. Yeah. Now, don't be bummed at yourself because I know you're kicking yourself going, Carl, I've done that all the time. I just say because I said so all the time. There's better answers. Don't kick yourself in the keister over it. But this resource gives you way better answers for kids about salvation. Studying the Bible. Why in the world do we have devotions as a family? Why in the world do we pray? Uh, why do I have to go hang out at church with friends? <laughs> All yeah. these questions yeah. we've got answered right here. And by the way, when your kids are embarrassed, like, dad, do you have to lift your hand up when we're in church like that? 
You, we've got five answers for your kid right now that'll peel spiritual paint about why lifting up your hands and worshiping God might be a great yeah. thing to do. And it's going to it's gonna help prepare them too. Big time, To Allie. articulate the why for themselves. You know, I, I think about this a lot now, particularly having a child going into high school this yeah. year. They're going to be, be people who question why. Why do you read the Bible? Why do you go to church? Why worship God? Why bother to surrender to him? <laughs> I, I want to make sure that she knows why. Absolutely. And can give it to people in a very humble, honest way. Because I believe that there's no rival, that God is the only true God. Yeah. I, it's right on, Allie. Somebody just texted back, this is the bomb, two exclamation points. Thank you for <laughs> consolidating this entire week into this resource. We did, and this is how you get yep, it right just here. Just text the word Y, W-H-Y, to 312-274-9624. You're going to get a link that has all of this week's five Ys. Text the word Y to 312-274-9624. Going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Amen. Hey, here's why. Because even the demons believe and they tremble. That's in the book of James. And so you've got to have a different kind of belief. I mean, to have to have an understanding or even a historical belief that Jesus existed and that he was the son of God and that he rose from the dead. Can that belief alone save you? Let me be very clear here, true to the word. There is a belief that knows intellectually what Jesus did. And you can still be lost for eternity. But there is a belief that can transform your soul. I think one of the best ways to illustrate this is by understanding what we find in Scripture about two kinds of grief yeah. and two kinds of regret. Why don't you read this and we'll have Young Thunder break it open. It's right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, two verses, 9 and 10. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Jonathan, you've experienced that difference, and we all have, mm -hmm. but between... Illustrate the difference between worldly grief and godly grief that leads to repentance. Yeah. So I think this is illustrated best in my months just before true and genuine salvation, which was uh, late 2019, probably in the fall, September, October, around there. You were here on radio. I was here on radio. I had been here on radio for over two years at that point. Uh, which is crazy to think about. And that's something. Yeah. Uh, but I believe that Jesus existed. I just didn't have any intention of following him. Uh, but he had been doing a, a job uh, uh, speaking into me and, and convicting me greatly on things in my life and where I was at salvation wise. I just didn't really want to admit it. I didn't want to hear it. Uh, but that conviction brought on worldly grief because I wasn't able to bring, I wasn't able to cross that line yet of actually repenting. So I had the conviction, but then from it, I took that and I just allowed myself to uh, feel scared, to feel guilty, to regret. Uh, but I never really did anything with it because I didn't want to take the hard steps. You leaned on God's grace. I leaned on his grace. I said, oh, you forgive me, God. You know, I, yeah. please, you know, forgive me. You got grace for me. You you, you forgive me. You, and and I 
I wanted to be better. It's not like I I wanted to just keep doing what I was doing. I actually did want to not do the things I was doing anymore, but I couldn't stop because I was in my own power. And so it didn't bring any life to me. And so through that of just feeling bad and going and going, okay, God, you forgive me, but then going and trying to handle it myself again. It uh, amped you up. It amped me up. It, uh, brought me into a time of depression, which I am super thankful for now, uh, because without it, I wouldn't have ever gotten there. Uh, and it changed me physically when I got married in late 2018, last few days of December, I weighed 185 pounds, uh, around September of 2019, I weighed 155 pounds and this wasn't workout loss. It, it was not workout. It was not diet. It was pure anxiety, uh, upped my metabolism. And so I lost all this weight. And you guys even said, which I didn't know at the time, you know, you, cause you had asked me, you were like, I are kept, you okay? I kept, I pull, I remember pulling you off one time off yeah. the side saying, no, young thunder, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. I'm fine. fine. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Yeah, I did that. And so the, the me trying to handle it myself and the, just the feeling bad about it and the wanting to change just bought, brought more grief into my life because worldly I grief, worldly grief. Yeah. And it, and, and it ruined me spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Um, it was because I knew what had to be done. I just was scared to do it. What had to be done and what did God do about it? The rest of Young Thunder's story coming up. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. All right, let's pick up the story. Um, This you've got to hear, Boom Crew. This, boy. See, there's a worldly grief and regret that does not lead to transformation. But then. But then. So that was my worldly grief that... I felt bad. I regretted. I wanted to change, but wasn't willing to go to God to change. And And now you're in turmoil and I'm in turmoil and I knew what had to be done. Let's like, I want to be clear here at this point. I had heard Carl give Matthew seven illusion of salvation about 60 times. And you were just like, (laughs) and every single time where you're like, Oh, go away. I didn't want to, I didn't want to work here anymore because I was so every time it was, that's you. And, and it was torturous because I knew, but I wasn't ready to make the change yet in my life. And, and so, man, this is heavy. Yeah. Well, hold it. The plot thickens because, give all the give all the reasons for why the pressure would have been crazily hot on you so i feel like a good way to explain it is kind of how paul says describes himself he was like you know i was the jew of jews i you know i was like i was like the guy when it came to like religious things i had just graduated from moody the year before with a, a degree in communications but also a minor in Bible. Bible. Yeah. And I had shared the gospel on air uh, on Moody Radio where tons of people were listening to it and coming to Jesus. Praise God. He still used it. Yes. Uh, You know, I had a pastor dad. Uh, My 
my oldest brother was an associate pastor. Uh, you know, so I, I in, in your bride. And my bride, she loved Jesus All in. when I met her and when I married her. And I was terrified to because now that if I come to terms with this, it's not allowed to be a private coming to terms. That's not how it works. <laughs> and you knew that. And I knew that. And so I'm like, oh. well, when I do this now, I've got to tell everybody mm. I've got to make all these changes in my life that I'm scared to make. And then I've got to tell everybody that what they thought they knew about me wasn't real. What when you told Shannon, uh huh? what was that like when you told her, this is what you married. This is now who I am. Mm -hmm. I think at first it was the scariest thing I could have ever imagined. Uh, because she had made a commitment to the man she thought I was, Ooh. uh, which was a scary thing. You know, I wasn't intentionally deceiving her as trying. I, I, I thought I was there, you know, and you talked yourself into I it. I talked myself into it, uh, but uh, the grace I was met with by her, the support I have felt from her in my walk with Jesus, uh, it's insane. Yeah, it's it's what I've gotten from everybody and the Lord and the Lord, which is I'm just happy you're here. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to have been here. Yeah. Yes. And I think that there were probably some some things for everybody to sift through because there were times in my life where maybe I really looked like the guy, the Christian guy. Uh, and it was probably really confusing. But the grace to not be so freaked out by that, that I was left uh, and rejected was was what I needed. OK, there's someone listening right now, Young Thunder, who has worldly grief, mm -hmm. worldly regret. Mm -hmm. And now they're freaked out. Yeah, because you're saying something that they know now that God has shined a spotlight on their soul. Mm -hmm. And your story is now their story. What yeah. do you say to them? I, I'm going to say to you first, I understand. I really do feel what you're feeling. I've had moments, uh, we talked about this, uh, I think yesterday, yeah. where a Moody professor came in last week and he was talking with me and he mentioned my story and I got scared all over again <laughs> because it was a new person. And, and uh, you know, it, it's that, that feeling that I felt once again started to creep back up. So I, I understand the fear. So, which, by the way, all it reveals is the spiritual war because mm -hmm. Satan is planting those thoughts. He you are is. not dreaming those up on your own. No, you are not. He is planting those thoughts and he is trying to convince you that nobody will love you, that nobody will accept you, that you will be rejected and shunned by those you have grown closest to if you honestly make this change. And it's not true. The people that matter most who love Jesus with all their heart will rejoice yeah. in the decision you're about Absolutely. to make. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those who won't mm -hmm. might have the same malady you're stuck in, in yeah. this moment. Absolutely. It's true. And I am not going to pretend that the decisions you are afraid of making are easy. You feel like they're hard and you're scared and I understand. And they are hard, but God, but God. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. Now that I have crossed the threshold, the hardest thing I had to do in my life was cross the threshold. But when I did, I can look back and say, this was the best decision that I've ever made in my entire life. Yesterday, I celebrated four years 
of having come clean of the sin in my life and having been free from it. This is your day. You're listening Young Thunder right now. I'm telling you right now, this is your day. There's a worldly grief and regret that we find Paul teaching about in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, but then there is a godly sorrow and it leads to repentance. And we're just asking you right now, won't you turn around, my friend? Jesus died for you. Are you willing to say it right now today? Yes, he did. Just say it. Yes, you did, Jesus. Just tell him that right now. You died for me. He's alive today, and you know it because he's speaking. He's calling you by name. Mm -hmm. Just say, yes, I hear your voice. And now the big courageous agreement with God. And all you're doing is agreeing with God because he's turning you around. It's almost like it's something involuntary. It's something happening so deeply spiritual, but you are going to repent. You're turning around. You had your back to God this whole time, but now you're face to face with Jesus and you're saying to him, I will follow you. I am repenting. And in this moment, that worldly sorrow is emptying out of you. And there's a supernatural joy that is flooding you. And we want to welcome you to the family right now. We want to welcome you to the family right now. Welcome. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Yeah, you get that phone. Don't delay. And I, I want to undergird with something the Young Thunder said, that the people that you are afraid of, there are two camps. One camp is it is not worth being afraid of them because they have the same malady you have. If they can't rejoice over a salvation, no matter how long you've been in church, even if you've been a pastor, they are not worth worrying about today. What does it profit a man to gain the favor of lost people and lose his soul? Mm -hmm. What does it profit mm -hmm. a man? Yeah. Give your life to Jesus today. Yeah. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Get your phone. Text the word welcome. If you're coming, really repenting and giving your all to Jesus today. Welcome. Come on in. Just mm -hmm. text the word welcome to 312 2749624 what do you say my man cap it off i want to add on that do not trade eternal life and peace and love for a lie you know what is true and you know what is a lie the lie feels comfortable right now i can tell you it is not worth it do not trade it if you are acknowledging Jesus as having died for your sin and that he rose from the dead and today you say in brokenness and tears, quite probably, I repent. I am going God's way. Welcome to the family. If that's you, just text the word welcome right now to 312-274-9624. Welcome all over Chicagoland, wherever you are, no matter where you are in this world. Text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. We'll shout out the last four numbers for all of you that are coming to Jesus today. Thank you, Young Thunder. That was beautiful, my man. God's using your words. 
Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this showcast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.